Seizing every opportunity he's had so far at his second training camp, Boy Mafe is off to a fast start. And now an injury to one of his edge rushing mates may have opened the door for a starting job. We're going to be looking at Boy Mafe's prime opportunity as the most improved player so far for the Seahawks on our latest Locked On Seahawks podcast. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined for our Thursday episode by my co-host, Dallas Cooper. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're in nearby Tacoma or you're across the country in the middle of the cornfields in Nebraska. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks, with their seventh training camp practice today, will be diving into offensive and defensive observations heading into tomorrow's mock game and an updated stock watch. Who's hot, who's not, heading into Friday's crucial first scrimmage at Lumen Field. A jam-packed episode coming your way, so let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on our Thursday episode of Locked on Seahawks. It was a largely positive day for the Seahawks, on the injury front, they welcome back running back Zach Charbonnet to the practice field. Anthony Bradford returned. Devin Bush returned. Unfortunately, as is often the case when you get the start of the football season in such a physical sport, there was a new player added to the injury list that creates a significant storyline here. Daryl Taylor was seen early before camp walking around with his left arm in a sling. We were able to ask Pete Carroll after practice, Dallas, and he's got a sprained shoulder, and it doesn't sound like it's bad enough where he's going to need surgery. It doesn't sound like it's something that's going to keep him out for a long time. At the same time, though, with him being in a sling during Thursday's practice, it's possible that he could miss extensive time, and this feels like the wrong position for a player of Daryl Taylor's stature to leave the door open right now with the young talent that is at pass rush, particularly when it comes to Boye Mafe. Before we discuss that prime opportunity, I had a chance to talk to Pete Carroll, ask him in the press conference after practice about Boye Mafe, and this really created even more interest about this storyline with Daryl Taylor now being out. Take a listen. Um, Mafe probably appears to be like the most improved guy from last year. He, he, he's, he, at this time, it's really early, but he's shown so many bright, bright moments out here, uh, run and pass. And uh, if, you, if you talk to Boye, which you may after this, uh, he'll tell you the difference between where his mind is right now compared to last year, he, he can't even imagine how he played last year. You know, was, he felt like he knew so, so little compared to what, he, what he's aware of now. So um, that's the sophomore jump you're talking about. He's really made it. And so I'm hoping that it'll continue. And uh, right now he's, he's battling to be one of the featured rushers as well as be a featured guy in early downs too. So um, he's doing great. So as Carol mentioned, Dallas, featured rusher, early downs. This discussion has been taking place with the Seahawks, with their coaching staff throughout training camp at this point. And I can tell you, being in attendance at every practice at this point, that 53 has been all over the place. And so this is the worst-case scenario potentially for Daryl Taylor. If he's only out a couple of practices and he gets back, then maybe it's not a big deal. But if he misses significant time with the momentum Mafe already has – this could shape up as a game changer for who starts across from Chenin Uosu in week one against the Rams. 
the Seahawks coaching staff, as you said, has talked about this entire offseason, who is going to be the guy opposite of Nuosu. And in fact, Corbin, you and I have discussed this plenty this offseason. And throughout the offseason, I have been hammering the nail that Moffitt is going to be the starter opposite of Nuosu, specifically just based off of his run defense. But man, Pete Carroll has got me excited about what Moffitt can do. Not just his run defense, which is showed to be excellent in his rookie year, but in this second year jump, is the pass rush going to take another step? And with what Pete Carroll said, all of Seattle is excited for to see whether Moffitt is going to take that step. And to me, I really think he's going to. Moffitt came in with elite measurables, elite athleticism. He just had to put it together. And as Pete Carroll said, apparently he has, and it's going to be great to see in their mock game coming up. Yeah, he's going to be one of the players that I've got circled tomorrow because he has stood out in a positive way this entire training camp so far. And maybe what I've been most impressed by Dallas has been the pass rush. Now, I actually have an interview clip with Boye Mafe that I'm going to be playing on our Friday show tomorrow. So I had an opportunity to pick his brain a little bit on some of this stuff. But you can tell that he put the work in on getting off the ball a little bit quicker. The speed is always going to be there for Boye Mafe, but there were times last year rushing the pass where it just seemed a little tentative getting off the line of scrimmage. I am not seeing that now. I'm seeing the guy that's getting upfield. He's rushing with confidence. He's using his hands well in a couple of padded practices. Uh, they had to call a couple of quick sacks with him in those padded practices because he is creating penetration. And we know last year it was a surprise that he defended the run the way that he did, but that's with the limited background that he now has improved upon. So they're hoping that he's going to be a reliable cog defending the run. And that has been my argument for why he's the wild card to really watch starting at that spot. And now he's going to get those reps. He was with the first team defense today, replacing Daryl Taylor off the edge. And there were a couple of plays it was a non-padded practice. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. But there were a couple of plays where he was able to shoot inside on slants and get in the backfield and get to the running back quickly. There were a couple of really promising pass rushes where he was able to get upfield. So again, every single day that I've seen this kid out there, every practice, it looks like he has taken a big step forward. So I would echo what Pete Carroll said. He is one of the most improved players in this roster. As far as your second-year players, I think you can make a really strong argument that maybe against Charles Cross. Cross has been really impressive here to start off, but I think Mafe has improved as much as any player going into year number two, and that is an exciting development. And really, this also creates opportunities for some of the other players that are on the depth chart there. Uh, your rookie Derek Hall, he's going to get more chances. Maybe he gets a few reps of the first team. And Tyreek Smith, who made a few plays today at practice, he's kind of hovering under the radar a little bit. Josh Oniogo had a really big day today, and there's been a few practices he stood out. And so all of those guys are going to be beneficiaries as long as Daryl Taylor is out. And you get a little bit of a flex here with the depth at that position and the youth and the upside. There's still some questions, obviously, but you're hoping that Boy Mafe, and obviously you want Daryl Taylor back healthy, but this is a chance for Boy Mafe to step up to the plate and seize that job. And if he does that, it's really going to help this defense. This defense needed run defense, and it was the biggest issue last season. Mafe came in and he held down the fort on that side of the ball when the teams ran at him. And like we said, the biggest development of him was pass rush, and Mafe. If he puts this together, it could be a really stellar season with the Seahawks as they just signed back Nwosu to an extension. 
and then you get a guy like Mafe coming into year two who can develop. This pass rush could really be something, Corbin, where you have five guys that you can rotate in, all coming in healthy. This reminds me a lot of potentially not to the same standard as the Eagles were last season, but in terms of the amount of bodies that you can continuously rotate in throughout a game, it's going to make the group be a lot better than maybe their individual level is. Yeah, and I'm glad you pointed out the contract situation because that's kind of the other underlying story here real quick. Daryl Taylor is going to be a restricted free agent after this year because he missed his entire rookie season. The Seahawks have a little more control than, say, an unrestricted free agent, but you just spent all this money on a Chenonuosu, and if Daryl Taylor is out for a little while and Boye Mafe ends up becoming the starter and plays really well and holds on to that, Mafe's going to have two more years left on his rookie contract. And so you're going to have a cheap rookie deal for a starter that could have a negative impact on whether or not the Seahawks decide to give a second contract to Daryl Taylor. So I think there's a lot riding here on this injury for Daryl Taylor and really for the Seahawks defense, because he has the potential to be a double digit sack guy. And Clint Hurt was echoing it a couple of days ago. They believe that he has changed his mindset as a run defender, but he's got to be able to get back healthy. You're hoping this is not an injury. He's out very long. And if he is, uh, number 53 in the rest of this cast, but really number 53, boy, Mafe, with what Pete Carroll said, what I've seen in the field, this is a great chance for him to get into the starting lineup. And if he gets in there, I have a feeling he's not going to be seizing that job the way that Daryl Taylor did early last season. So this is a great chance for the second-year rusher out of Minnesota. Coming up next, we're going to be diving into observations coming out of Seahawks training camp practice number seven of the VMAC offense, defense, maybe a sprinkle of special teams that will be coming up next year on our Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by Underdog Fantasy. August is here and you know what that means. The official start of Fantasy Football Drafting Month. Underdog is the easiest place to play fantasy football and the best place to best ball. Best Ball Mania is the largest fantasy football tournament ever, and you can also invite your fans to a private draft in order to bring in new users. Get championship ready for your home league by just trying out Best Ball on Underdog Fantasy. All you do is one live snake draft. No waivers, no trades. Underdog sets your best lineup every week. Try it out with Underdog's Best Ball Mania tournament. The largest fantasy football contest of all time is back, and even bigger with $15 million of total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd $3 million going to the winner. Last year, the winner drafted their team in July, so don't wait around. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with the promo code Locked On to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code Locked On. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbett Smith. Glad to be joined for today's show by my co-host, Dallas Cooper. And a special thanks to all the 12s. We greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Every day is coming up tomorrow morning, Blue Friday. We've got a mock scrimmage coming up at Lumen Field in the evening. I'm going to be diving into what to watch at Lumen Field in a special morning episode. So, Make sure that you're tuning in and getting ready for the first game action for the Seahawks this 2023 season. Hitting the practice field again after a day off, the Seahawks didn't have pads on today, so we didn't get to see them replicate the hard hitting that we saw on Monday and Tuesday. But nonetheless, there were still plenty of great things going on in the practice field for the fans that were in attendance for today's 
open camp. There were plenty of highlights on both the offensive and defensive side of the football. And Dallas, we were just talking injuries. And I know that there's one in particular, a player coming back today to practice that you viewed as a big deal and you were excited to see what he was able to do in his return to action. It was their second round pick, which was controversial and it still is, but Charbonnet coming back after missing four practices is amazing news for Seahawks fans. Look at the running back room. You have Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet, and now Kenny McIntosh as well. That's three guys that you are looking at that are immediate contributors. And let's not forget also DJ Dallas, who's still in that backfield as well. But Zach Charbonnet specifically coming back after having a little bit of a shoulder concern. And it was a growing concern among Seahawks fans as the first reports coming out were saying out indefinitely, which caused a lot of ruckus going on. But Charbonnet returning, showing no signs of injury and coming back. It's great. You need this, especially as a second round pick at running back. This is not a good sign if he's going to be injured throughout the season. You want him healthy, especially with the biggest thing about the running back and selecting them early is the fact that you can get them on the rookie deal. Yeah, we talked about this a couple of days ago here on the podcast, looking at this banged up backfield. And Charbonnet's injury was the one that was maybe the most concerning because it just didn't seem like we knew anything. Pete Carroll wasn't able to provide many details. The other people I talked to didn't know very much. Just, well, he tweaked his shoulder. We're not sure what's going on there. And the fact that he was missing for a couple of days, he wasn't even out on the practice field, but he returned on Tuesday as a bystander and that today was on the field. And maybe the most encouraging thing for me, Dallas, even though it was a non-padded practice, he did get wrapped up at one point, and I don't know which shoulder is the one that was bothering him, but he took a small hit to one of his shoulders, spun out of it, and he was fine. He had a 30-yard run, again, no tackling, non-contact, so take it for what it's worth. But he looked explosive. He was reaching up, snagging passes. as an individual, never saw him grab at his shoulder or anything. So that is certainly a positive sign. As far for me, my, my first big takeaway, and we've talked so much about Devin Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba on this podcast, and rightfully so, the two first-round picks, all eyes are on these guys. But it is so much fun to have two first-round picks the same year coming in together that are going to be sharpening. It's iron sharpening iron every day of practice for these first-rounders. They're going against each other a ton because Devin Witherspoon is playing most of his snaps in the slot. That's where Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be playing most of the time on offense. So these two have been going at each other a lot. And I'll say this, Dallas, Smith and Jigba was winning a lot of these battles the first couple practices after Witherspoon came back from missing the first two days once he'd signed his contract. And he was able on Tuesday to win on a quick out route on the final play from scrimmage. It was a well-contested play, and then he just was able to create separation. But today it was about number 21 winning the battles between these two guys. In their seven-on-seven drill, Geno Smith immediately, his first read was the slot fade to Jackson Smith and Jigba. And you know he wanted to go there, but Devin Witherspoon was all over him on that play, suffocating coverage. So he had to go to his check down on that play. And then... Towards the end of the practice, this was probably my favorite play, and the Seahawks actually posted on their social media account. So if you want to see what it looked like, you can at least see the tail end of the play. But it was fourth down at the goal line. I think the Seahawks offense had the ball at the four-yard line in their first team. It's Geno and company, and Witherspoon was on Smith and Jigba in the slot. Initially took a quick out. 
It wasn't open. Witherspoon is all over him. He tries to go back inside. Witherspoon is all over him. He tries to drift back to the back of the end zone. Witherspoon is mirroring him every direction. Now, there was some contact at the back, and Witherspoon did push off a little bit at the end, but that was after Smith and Jigba had extended his arms. So the officials there did not throw a flag, and I think it's the right call. Both guys were jockeying for position there, but it was dingy coverage there by Devin Witherspoon on Smith and Jigba and Geno Smith ended up throwing the ball over Smith and Jigba on fourth down and it was incomplete they forced a goal line stand and he was fantastic down there so as Pete Carroll said after practice this is an ideal situation you get to see your first round corner and your first round receiver battle against each other and grow together on the field and that has been really exciting for me to watch, especially today, seeing Witherspoon kind of throw some punches back like, hey, I was number five overall pick for a reason. And we've seen Smith and Jigba win some of these battles. He's going to win some of them down the line, too, because he's an excellent receiver. But uh, it really has been must-see TV. Get your popcorn ready watching those two guys go at each other. And Corbin, you know who else on the defense is going to be extremely happy with sticky man coverage being played on the back end? The pass rushers, specifically a guy that John Snyder went after early in free agency. He made it a point to get Draymond Jones. And as you said, Corbin, when we were talking about this before the show and during camp, he has been living in the backfield throughout the entire time. No one has been able to stay in front of him. And this was the reason you signed him to that amount of money. It was a worry at first because of the amount of money. But Draymond Jones immediately becomes your best pass rusher. And he's shown it throughout all this time in camp. He has shown that he's the guy and he's their number one. The defense is going to feed off of him. He's going to be the guy to get double-digit sacks for them this season. And it's not just the pass defense, Dallas. I think that's the other misnomer out there. And and I've talked about this a few times earlier on the podcast in the offseason that the more film that I watch, Draymond Jones is a really good run defender, and now I have an even higher opinion. Those two padded practices, he was constantly beating his opponent on the line of scrimmage. He was winning with power. He was winning with great hand technique, his burst, the quick step. It's the complete package when you're talking about Draymond Jones. And so he has been one of the most impressive players for the Seahawks on either side of the football. And you expected with the money they paid him that he was going to have a strong impression, but he's exceeded my expectations. I see a guy that has incredible twitch at 281 pounds. He plays much bigger than that size. He almost looks like a massive linebacker or even a defensive end, but he holds up well inside. And his speed gives offensive linemen something to worry about too. And so, you know, if you're not ready for that quick step, he is going to burn you. The one-on-one clip that I posted, Damian Lewis, unfortunately, got a taste of what Draymond Jones is like in one-on-ones. And Damian Lewis is a pretty solid NFL guard. So this guy's been a big addition. For me on defense, I want to stay in the trenches. And it's fun having some positivity in the defensive line. Two guys that have really jumped out to me starting on Monday. It just seems like since Monday when the pads came out, that Cameron Young, the fourth rounder out of Mississippi State, and Mike Morris, the fifth rounder out of Michigan, those two guys had turned a new leaf ever since it's been more football, when they've been able to really get after it in the trenches. 
Cameron Young in today's practice got some reps with the first team, which I hadn't seen him do up to this point. I think it was a reward because as Pete Carroll said after practice, he's just a different player with the pads on, and that's his game. He is a physical, big-bodied guy that wants to get after it in the trenches, and you can't really do that in non-padded practices. So he really was able to elevate his game on Monday and Tuesday. And Mike Morris, you want to talk about a guy that had a good day today. He was all over the field. He's getting reps with the second team defense. And he just, he stands out. It's really such a sore thumb compared to the rest of these guys because he's 6'6", 300. He doesn't look like he weighs 300 pounds. He looks like he's maybe 270 because he's lean. But I could see him being 320 pounds at some point because he's just a massive human being. And when he is able to play with leverage with the motor he's got, he can be really disruptive. He's had a few practices where he's clearly made some mistakes, but there have also been practices like Tuesdays and today's where it seems like the light switch is starting to come on for this kid. So that is encouraging. If you could get some steady reps from your two rookies that you drafted on day three as rookies, they could come out and give you some key contributions in that defensive line. That is a game changer for that unit up front, especially given the fact I think Morris has been his best against the run so far. We know how much of an issue that was. So that is really, to me, the thing that jumps out is the chance to see some of these young defensive linemen. They're coming of age a little bit, getting the pads out, getting after it. And that is a pleasant surprise here early in camp. Now, what will we see from them when tomorrow comes up? My game scrimmage. Those are going to be two players that I'm going to be watching closely just because They've made progress now on the practice field. Does it translate to a semi-game situation at Lumen Field? We'll have to find out once tomorrow the scrimmage opens up at 5.20 p.m. at Lumen Field. Coming up next, we're going to do a little bit of pre-mock game stock watch. Who's hot, who's not, a few offensive players, a few defensive players. Some fun discussion coming up next year on our Thursday edition of Locked on Seahawks that is brought your way by LinkedIn These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. When I was a site manager, LinkedIn Jobs was my go-to to post writing positions to land top candidates, and they made the process easy and seamless. All you have to do is create your job post and then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience. You can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview as well as hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked in NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked in NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined for today's show by my co-host, Dallas Cooper. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Every day is coming up tomorrow morning. It's our first pregame episode, so to speak. Blue Friday, we've got the mock scrimmage coming up at Lumen Field. I'll be breaking down all of the things I'm going to be looking for on offense, defense, and even special teams heading into the festivities tomorrow night. So make sure you are listening in. With that mock game coming up, Dallas, we love to do this in the preseason. 
when we're looking at players that are battling for roster spots. And it's time for a little bit of stock watch, looking at which players are hot and which ones are not heading into this game. And this does not necessarily mean the guys that we pick on who's not are not going to be making this football team either. There's a lot of different criteria to this. It could just be, hey, they've struggled so far in camp. Maybe they're losing out to some reps on uh, some stuff with other players of their position group, but there's a lot of different subjectivities to this that we can be looking at. So Dallas, we're going to start with stock up the players who are hot right now. And on the offensive side of the football, I know that you have already talked about Zach Charbonnet, but we haven't gotten to see him very much at this point. And that's allowed the other rookie running back to really make a statement. Yes. A lot of people labeled Kenny McIntosh, actually the steal of the draft and Boy, has he shown that in camp so far. Has been nothing short of explosive, and that's been the whole thing. In college, he showed the explosiveness, and that was what you wanted. He burned SEC defenses and consistently made them pay. However, when he had his timing during combine and pro days, it was not as fast as you would like to see, and the times weren't as good as you want. But then again, it's about when the pads come on. And during camp, even when the pads were off, he was absolutely torching the Seahawks run defense. And the biggest question mark for him will be his pass blocking. Now, his pass blocking, if this improves and the technique is the biggest thing because he showed heart in doing that. Never was an issue about him not wanting to do it, just technique and little things like that. But if he truly can fulfill that, he might be the next guy in the Travis Homer role, that third down back. And he brings much more explosiveness excuse me, than Homer ever did. Yeah, that's an interesting point because Homer tested better than what McIntosh did. But when you see on film, it's just it's, it's two different athletes. And sometimes you get guys like that. Now, for me, I'm not going to go with a newcomer. I'm going with a guy that I feel like I say this every training camp about this guy, but he's just been an ascending player for the last couple of years. And he's healthy and we got to see some of what he's capable of doing. But Colby Parkinson, you want to talk about a specimen. This guy at 270 pounds, 6'7", 270. I mean, they list him 265. I bet he's in the low 270s at this point. He is a big dude. He is chiseled. And he had a play on Tuesday where he caught a dump-off pass, and then he just turned on the Rockets and ran right through the teeth of the Seahawks defense for a long touchdown. He's made some plays on screens. He can win downfield. I haven't seen as much of that in camp, but he's capable of it. I just feel like he has already shown he's going to take that next step. And that means, no offense, you better get more reps here soon. Will Disley has missed a few practices. Hey, this guy's gunning for a starting job, and he's got such a dynamic skill set with his size, his soft hands in the passing game. He improved so much, leaps and bounds, as a pass and run blocker last year, and I feel like he's going to take another step forward there. He's constantly working on his technique, and he says his mindset is there. So Colby Parkinson right now is one of the hot players for the Seahawks for me right now that his stock just keeps going through the roof. Even with Jackson Smith and Jigba coming to town, if there is a tight end that has a chance to put up some really good numbers in the passing game, Colby Parkinson is the one to keep an eye on. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, Who's hot in your opinion and has raised their stock going into this mock scrimmage? To me, this is going to be an interesting one as we talked about it prior being sort of a thing where we're more of guys that are fighting for roster spots. 
However, for me, my stock up is going to be Bobby Wagner as coming back to Seattle later in his career. The whole thing was, is his age going to be a big factor? And I was one of the main people in Seahawks media that was concerned about that. However, from what we've seen in camp, he has been absolutely amazing. The legs look rejuvenated. And he's even said in an interview, Bobby Wagner said, this is the healthiest he's felt in camp for the last few years. Wagner's rejuvenated legs is going to be huge for the Seahawks defense if he can be anything like the Bobby Wagner, the prime Bobby Wagner that we all know. Yeah, I told the guys on uh, Wyman and Bob today on Seattle Sports 710 when I was on there that if I didn't know Bobby Wagner's age and you told me he was 26, 27, I wouldn't bat an eye right now. That's how impressive he has been. He is moving like he did four or five years ago. That is not an exaggeration. Some of the plays he's been making now, is he going to be able to maintain that? That's really the question. And there have been some injuries. That's what he mentioned. But uh, this is an exciting development. So some might say, why are we putting a future Hall of Famer in stock up? Because 33-year-olds aren't supposed to be making some of the plays that we've seen him make at camp. I'm going with Trey Brown here. And Mike Jackson's been so impressive early in training camp that yet Trey Brown's kind of hovered under the radar. And you look at what he's done in the last three or four practices. He is stacking really strong day after really strong day. He's made a bunch of pass breakups. He's been able to recover a few times. And I think that's the one advantage that he has over Mike Jackson. Mike Jackson's a physical corner. He can win at the line of scrimmage with the best of them, using his length and his physicality. But if he gets beat, he doesn't have that next gear to be able to recover. Trey Brown, now that he's fully recovered from that uh, patellar tendon injury, he has that kind of burst and that recovery speed to be able to do that. And we've seen that in a few plays. He did that against Tyler Lockett on a seam route downfield in a practice earlier this week. And so we've been able to see that explosive recovery speed. And I think that gives him a fighting chance. Maybe he's your other starter opposite of Reek Woolen with Devin Witherspoon playing in the slot. They have a lot of options, but I think Trey Brown has certainly played his way into that. Now let's get to the stock down, the guys that maybe aren't as hot right now. And again, this doesn't mean these are guys necessarily that we think are on the bubble to get cut, but it might be players that this training camp has necessarily gone as planned or they're losing out on some reps to guys. Maybe there's been some injuries sprinkled in, but let's start on offense. And Dallas, who's that player that jumps out to you where you feel like so far, maybe this hasn't been the best camp for this particular player. The theme of this episode for me seems to be running backs because this is the it third is. running back. Yeah. That I, weird. That's normally me. That's normally your thing. I think I decided to steal it today, Corbin, but DJ Dallas to me is going to be my stock down for offense. And like you said, this isn't like he's going to, is he on the bubble? I'm not exactly sure, but DJ Dallas to me is on the stock down because of guys like Kenny McIntosh, Zach Charbonnet, and not to mention Walker still has to come back. That's a lot of people in the running back room and it's created a sort of log jam. The media, Seattle media has been focusing on the cornerback log jam with a bunch of people that are able to start at that position, but we're kind of forgetting about the running back position with the amount of talent that is in that running back room. Yeah. Where is DJ Dallas truly going to fit in? All the running backs have different skill sets and they primarily each favor different things. DJ Dallas to me is going to have to primarily be a special teams guy. Now he's going to have to focus on that. And that's really the way he's going to have to get his stock back up primarily via special teams. 
Yeah, I feel like Dallas has had a pretty solid camp, but I understand where you're coming from from the sense that where's the snaps going to be? And that's assuming you've got a healthy Ken Walker III and Zach Charbonnet and Kenny McIntosh stays in the field. But McIntosh has been so impressive that it does start to create some questions like, okay, is he your third down back? And that's where the actual game action is going to decide things with pass protection and catching balls and stuff. And for me on offense, this one was one that I struggled with a little bit because I feel like a lot of the players on offense have really played well for most of training camp. But for me, I had to go to the offensive line and I I hate putting a rookie on here, but for me, it's Anthony Bradford because I know there was some excitement from fans about him being in the mix immediately to play for that right guard job. Now I've tried to temper those expectations on this show because I felt like Phil Haynes would go in as a heavy favorite to win that job. But Bradford hasn't even had an opportunity to even look like he's in, you know, the competition, even for the second right guard spot, Jake Curhan was playing right guard when Damian Lewis slid over or Damian Lewis was out. They slid Phil Haynes over on Monday when Damian Lewis was sick, they put Jake Curhan in at right guard not Anthony Bradford. And then he missed a practice on Tuesday. Maybe that played into not having him in the lineup uh, with the ones on Monday. But nonetheless, he has yet to really get that opportunity. And he's kind of been an afterthought this year with that offensive line. Now, maybe he goes out and gains and plays really well, and suddenly he's back in contention to get some playing time at some point down the road this year. But uh, it's been a little bit disappointing because he was a rookie that I felt like was going to come in and really put pressure maybe on Phil Haynes. And at this point, he hasn't been able to do that. On the defensive side of the football, Dallas, this one is interesting because there are so many position groups where there are roster spots up for grabs, very competitive position groups. And there have been a few players that maybe have not necessarily seized that opportunity. Yes, on defense, my stock down is going to be Kobe Bryant. And specifically for me, the reason Kobe Bryant is my stock down is because, as you talked about prior for your stock up, Trey Brown, Mike Jackson, let's not to mention we got Tariq Woolen still in the fold. There are a bunch of guys that can start in that Seattle cornerback room. And Kobe Bryant, he was tested out as a nickel in his rookie year. The struggle was his ability to play man. And with Witherspoon now getting snaps in the slot, to me that's signaling that the Seahawks defense is trying to go more into man coverage and having pure man coverage corners and the talent to be able to do that. Now, Brian is interesting because he brings more of that almost safety background. He's more of a, he played corner in college, but his talent and his specific qualities is zone tack. And he struggled a little bit of tackling, but forced a lot of fumbles in his rookie year. That's the thing with Kobe Bryant. Where is he going to get the snaps? Is it going to be outside? Is it going to be nickel? Because that's a lot of people that are competing for snaps. Yeah, and the fact is he's been playing some safety as it is. Now, Pete Carroll did say because of a toe injury he had in the offseason, they're still kind of being careful with him in terms of reps. So that's something to keep an eye on too. But he was playing with second and third team defense at practice today in the nickel. He's been experimenting some at safety. There's nowhere to put him at outside corner, which was his natural position where he was the Jim Thorpe award winner at Cincinnati. So this is a really solid football player, but you've got so much depth. Uh, You're, you're going to have, there's going to be a guy that is that odd man out at some point. And so, Maybe Kobe Bryant, unfortunately, is finding himself in that situation. I think it's early enough in camp that he can 
improve his standing a little bit. But yeah, I would tend to agree with you. He's a player that hasn't necessarily had a great start to camp and the depth, the talent of that position, maybe squeezing him out a little bit there at cornerback. For me, I'm going to the middle of the defense at linebacker because Bobby Wagner looks like he's found the fountain of youth, that he's rejuvenated. Devin Bush has had a solid first camp. Vi Jones has been with the first team defense when Devin Bush was out. That was the choice. I just have not seen John Radigan, not to say that he's had a bad camp, but I have not seen John Radigan make any notable plays. He hasn't been able to make tackles in the run game that stood out. There hasn't been anything in coverage. He got exploited a couple times today. So I just don't feel like the ceiling is there. We're not seeing the flashy plays. Now, he's certainly a capable linebacker. His background in Army, he's good at his run fits. I just I don't know if he is anything better than average in a lot of different things you're looking for from a defender. And Vi Jones has so much more athletic upside and untapped potential that it does feel like this first seven practices that he's maybe played his way to the wrong side of the bubble. He is going to need a big mock scrimmage and he's going to need some big plays on the practice field to get back on the good graces, so to speak, when it comes to that roster spot. And so for me, it isn't necessarily, you know, a situation where I don't think John Radigan's a good player. He's a solid linebacker, but I feel like Vi Jones has really taken his opportunities so far and he's made the most of them. I haven't been able to say that about John Radigan so far in training camp. So his stock is going down. He's going to be looking to bolster that in their mock game coming up tomorrow at Lumen Field. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Dallas at Dallas C. Cooper. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow morning, it's going to be an early edition for Blue Friday. Locked on Seahawks, I'm going to be dishing out some keys to look for on offense defense and special teams a preview heading into the mock scrimmage at lumen field you don't want to miss it enjoy the rest of your thursday and thanks for listening go hawks